Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode three of season five, and I'm your host as always, Andy Davis. Now straight to business this week as we're looking at project planning. Now in normal times, remember them, experienced retailers could do this stuff standing on their head. It's about as core as it gets to running a successful KBB business. But COVID and all the subsequent product shortages have meant that the usual smooth plans have been thrown up in the air and retailers now have to constantly juggle when jobs can be done, when they might be finished, if they are at all. Showrooms are full of empty slots where ovens and coffee machines should be as they're constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul just to get a kitchen over the line. And, of course, they have to do all that while managing the expectations of the customer all the way through. We've got KBB Review editor Rebecca Nottingham chatting to two very experienced retailers, Darren Taylor of Searle & Taylor and Phil Beechner of Alexander Kitchens. But first, once again, a massive huge thank you to our very good friends at Masterclass for being our Season 5 kitchen sponsor. As many of you will know, they are a proudly British manufacturer of quality kitchen furniture, offering an amazing range of unique products for over 45 years. To find out more about how you can become part of the Masterclass family, go to masterclasskitchens.co.uk forward slash hello hyphen studios. Don't worry, I'll put that link in the episode description. So now it's over to KBB Review Editor Rebecca Nottingham. As promised, let's talk about kitchen project planning in a time of delays with two very experienced retailers. First up, Darren Taylor of Searle & Taylor in Winchester. Hi, Darren. Hi, Becky. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And then we have Phil Beechnor from Alexander Kitchens in Worthing. Hi, Phil. Hi, Becky. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome. It's probably a good place to start if we get both of you to sort of give us a bit of a description and overview of your business. So, Darren, can you give us a 10-second overview of Searle & Taylor? Okay, count me down. So, Searle & Taylor has been established for 31 years. We're a premium kitchen design studio based in central Winchester. That's kind of us in a nutshell, kitchen architecture. Lovely. And Phil, same for Alexander Kitchens, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, Alexander, we've been around for over 40 years. We have two showrooms in Worthing and Horsham in West Sussex. And we also have a contracts department that will cover the house builder in the southeast. And um, also we have our own installation company, Masterfit, that service all our requirements. And we do kitchens, bathrooms and bedrooms. Fabulous. Brilliant. You're both very experienced independent retailers. Therefore, over the years, you'll have both managed hundreds of kitchen projects. But Darren, let's start with you. Do you have a standard step-by-step plan to managing each project? And if so, talk us through it. Yeah, well, our our approach always remains kind of honest and and upfront. Our clients, we say two things. We say, you know, we're, we're very proactive on design, but we're certainly very reactive on what the client wants. So we normally start the process off, whether it's been a recommend, a walk-in, um, but we have what's called our client brief. So the client brief is a document that captures all the requirements that the client's looking for from their proposed kitchen. It's all documented down. And then whether we get the measurements from a site visit or if we're working off architect's plans and basically with the client brief and the measurements, we will then endeavor to put together a lovely kitchen design. And along with that, we will uh, do a full written quotation and we will present our design ideas in the showroom and follow it up by going through the quotation. Okay, Phil, do you follow a similar plan to that? Yes, uh, almost to the, to, to the letter of Darren. 
people would normally visit the showroom, um, have a brief look around, get an understanding of what we're all about, and then whether myself or one of my colleagues will have a chat, maybe a bit of price conditioning and just understanding their needs, and then a designer will go out, measure up, and then bring them back into the showroom and present to them a sort of a week or so later and then and then take it from there with a full written sort of quotation. So very similar format. So where does the sort of managing of the timescales come into to this project? Managing timescales used to be very straightforward. You know, we, we've been doing it for a number of years. Um, so, you know, that for us, having a full bespoke offering and for importing our modern furniture from abroad, you know, the longest lead time would generally be the furniture and we would be quoting eight to 10 weeks on delivering that kitchen uh, or at least to be booking in the installation date. But obviously, we are all very aware within the last couple of years that's now changed somewhat. Probably the furniture is still around that eight to 10 weeks, maybe a little bit longer if suppliers are struggling getting materials. But I think we all realise that the longest lead time now is certainly with appliances. And because we like to do the full project and include appliances, cabinetry and worktops, then that is the longest delay. And that's the part that we're struggling, I guess, to manage our clients' expectation with. Phil, we'll talk in more detail about the issues with supply and everything, but in terms of managing expectations and timescales, do you follow a similar pattern to Darren then as well? Uh, to a degree. I mean, the majority of our lead times now are actually installation-led. We fully project manage all our installations and offer a, a sort of a complete service. So we are finding that a lot of our lead time is governed by availability of our installers to fit stuff. So we're now currently looking at towards the end of the year and we're working to installation dates rather than furniture supply dates. Although we do have a fair amount of supply onlys, that's not really what our forte, but we also um, obviously deal with the house builder and their forward planning is, is pretty good. They call off their kitchens in plenty of time so not too bad trying to, to project manage it but as Darren touched on there the biggest issue at the moment is is even with those long lead times it's uh, certain appliances that are um, holding us back a little bit. Yeah absolutely okay so what kind of problems then to project planning do these extended lead times issues with supply you know what additional issues on top of an already complex element of the retailer's role what additional issues does it add? Generally a new kitchen for us is off the back of either an extension or a new build so generally the client's expectation of receiving that kitchen generally is closer than what the reality is, you know, it's a very exciting part of the build and the house if it is a new build or, or an extension. The kitchen is kind of quite the main focus part, especially with open plan living. So it's, it's, it's forming a number of rooms. Also, we get involved in utility, boot rooms, walk-in pantries, you know, the rest of it. So um, as Phil was saying, you know, we, we are given, I guess, a, a start date um, then it's up to us to make sure that we can get all the goods in by that start date, um, many of which goods, depending on the appliance manufacturing, depending on what the clients have chosen, may not be in on time, but it could come in during the installation, which generally takes for us over three weeks. But I guess the main issue is the contractor because, you know, they will 
give us a, a start date. And then hopefully, you know, week, two weeks before, we, 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 we have to manage it. And we keep our eyes on it very closely because all too many times over in the past, you know, we get a phone call on the Friday uh, before the Monday that we're due to start the installation um, with, oh, we're not ready or the floor hasn't gone down yet or there's, there's some issue. Um, so quite often we're delayed by the um, contractor or the client not actually being ready for us. Um, the only good side of that is, or the upside of that is, is it does give us a couple more weeks extra for said appliances that might be dwindling or, or still not in, in the warehouse yet. But to mitigate that, as soon as we've received the deposit from our client, we will get on and order up everything straight away. If it comes in earlier, brilliant, we'll store it in the warehouse. But quite often they don't come in early or you might just get a few items that have come in early. But, you know, we have got a number of projects out there at the moment with the odd hole um, where there should be an appliance there or something there. But generally not too bad. And over to you, Phil, you know, what's been your experience and how has these appliance supply delays affected your business and the projects you've been managing? Well, there's two sides down to it on a very good one there. Yeah, if someone's doing an extension and we're just doing sort of a basic fit, then you will get a phone call saying that the windows aren't coming in or something's not happening. You can't come in a couple of weeks' time. And bearing in mind, our schedule is pretty round anyway. We can't just slot in a, you know, move stuff three weeks back because you've got templating, you might have glass, you might have a floor going down, you might have all sorts of other little trades that we need to juggle around. So that can be a little bit of a headache, but we, we, we seem to be coping. At last counts, I've, I just touched base with my installation manager this morning. We've got 40 appliances that are outstanding at the moment through across the board. And that's for jobs that have been installed. So that's, that's a lot of holes. And all, most of those are combination microwaves or high-spec ovens. And, and although within our terms and conditions, I, I, I created a sort of a subheading and um, with sort of COVID implications and shortages. So although customers are made aware of it, they are very understanding to a point, but they are starting to get a little bit tired, some of them. I mean, we've got some appliances that, that were on order in, in January, and we do exactly the same as Darren. Once a deposit's been placed, we place the order with BSH or Melee, whoever, and it just seems to be the same old appliances that are, are missing. And the other side of it is the... The developer, if you've got a higher spec developer, they're very unforgiving. Um, if they've got a completion coming or they're trying to finalise plots, they just want them completed. So we'll have to rob Peter to pay Paul. And that is one element that we have got. So these builders that are running behind that we've got, we are pinching other people's appliances to fill holes. That said, we're managing, but only just. I'm taking from this that to be a kitchen retailer, you've got to have a lot of patience. You've got to be very organised and you've got to have understanding clients. <laughs> Joking aside, that sounds like there's a lot of headaches involved. But when it comes down to these missing appliances then, I mean, at what point do you start suggesting alternatives to the consumer? Well, we, we have many alternatives already in place. Um, funny enough, I've got a meeting after this with another appliance company who are saying that they're able to deliver across their complete range, you know, within a few days. So sounds absolutely wonderful uh, at the moment but I mean our record to date at the moment um, Phil mentioned about ordering in early part of this year we, we're still waiting for some appliances that we actually ordered last December 
Um, so that's our, our record at the moment. And whilst clients, you know, a lot of people obviously are aware of the shortages because it's not just in our industry. You know, somebody was moaning that you were waiting on a golf club the other day. But, you know, ki- kitchen retail is hard work. It, you know, I've always said uh, retail is detail with kitchens. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with our industry and it's hard work keeping on top of it. You know, when we get bumped on an install date, we've got to unravel all of that. And as Phil said, that could involve templating for worktops, glass templating, hand painters, fitters, plumbers, electricians, tilers. You know, so once you get bumped on a day, that, that is a, an issue. But, but we've always had that. But throw in the appliance shortages and, you know, developers wanting to have kitchens complete with their house for their sign-off pack. Yeah, I've been in that situation too, where I'm probably pinching an oven that was due for another client, but their job's been put off for a couple of weeks. And I'll keep my fingers crossed and think, crikey, if I nick this oven, will the other one come in in time? You know, so it is a balancing and juggling act. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult. And, and that's one thing I guess us independent retailers are getting quite frustrated at. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, we know the big brands. We know all the appliance companies that we've been relying on that are all in our showrooms or what's left of them, what we haven't lent out to our customers in the meantime. We're relying on these brands to support us. And quite frankly, we're getting quite a lot of waffle. We're getting pushed around a bit. And they're not the ones that are having to stand in front of Mrs. Miggins and explain why she's missing the oven. You know, so that's the frustrating part. And, you know, I'm now on the search for client suppliers that will help and, and can get us products and, and help support us properly. Going back to the sort of the client, how do you keep the clients motivated within the project, you know, when there are so many delays? Are they happy with the alternatives that you're offering? It seems to be other than microwaves predominantly for us, a little bit of refrigeration, higher spec dishwashers and things, but predominantly cooking. So we've known about this problem all this year. So we've been a bit proactive. So if we're taking out an old kitchen and they've got a single oven, we just say to a customer, and they're all fully aware of the problem. We're very transparent. We've sold them right from the off that we have got problems we're quite transparent with the letters from manufacturers to pointing out the issue so they don't, you know, it's not Alexander's incompetence, it is down to, um, you know, global shortages. And to a point, they're forgiving. And once the kitchen's finished and you walk away, we tend to send in photographers if we think it's a really nice install, but we can't because we've got, they've kind of got leaving great holes in kitchens. You know, we've got no photography being done at the moment either because half of the half the product's missing. And customers are understanding to a point, as long as they've got an oven, so we might have to have an old, we've, we've purchased um, cheaper manufacturer's ovens, we've got four or five service models that we're, we're lending out. We haven't had anyone throw their toys out the brand yet and, and actually say, right, you know, this is because we've been quite clear with them right from the beginning you know, that there's an issue and we have offered alternatives, but um, it, it, it's, it's a bit like if you've got a Mercedes or a Range Rover coming, they say, but I can get you a Ford or I can get you a, a Skoda. With different other motor cars, you know. They're saying, no thanks, I'd rather wait for the Range Rover, thank you very much. And as long as they've said that, that's right, okay, well, this is the best we can do. Alternatives, we do give them alternatives. We might say, look, there's another model um, and we've got some good friends and colleagues in the KBB industry that, that there is a little bit of a network going around. Can we borrow this? Can we have you got this? And we, we, you know, we do it with a few local retailers. But, um, yeah, most of the stuff is just, 
it's basically microwaves and coffee machines and things really. I think the key is, Becky, what we're saying is it's all about managing clients' expectations and obviously our approach is honest. And when we're signing uh, clients up, you know, we're warning them of the delays. Right now, feels right. It is primarily combination microwaves, high-spec ovens, dishwashers, bit of refrigeration. You know, things are getting better. I think demand, thank goodness for the manufacturers, the demand is certainly tailing off. And so they're able to catch up a bit more and uh, chips or whatever it is, all the widgets that are missing to be able to build all of this, uh, these appliances are starting to, to come through. So I don't see the problem now getting worse. I, I, I personally think we're, we're over the worst of it. I think some of the appliance manufacturers have, have handled it appallingly, but, but they believe, you know, that they're doing everything they can. But I think the way they've managed the systems, um, some worse than others, haven't been great. But for us in our little old showroom and chatting to Mrs. Miggins again, um, selling that kitchen, you know, we're just honest and we're saying we're going to order absolutely everything. Please check that, you know, your appliance list. Uh, Whereas back in the day, you know, we were pretty lazy. We used to get all the furniture on order and then probably order the the appliances maybe two or three weeks before the due date because we knew, you know, they're always in stock and there was never a problem. So gone are those days we've now all got really full warehouses where we panicked and bought everything in all asap half of it's turned up the other half comes in dribs and drabs and then there's always one item missing phil's saying he's got 40 odd appliances missing i think we've probably got about 12 clients are getting on with it they've got hobs they might have the the other oven in you know many of our clients have two three four ovens i I don't think anyone's hopping mad and really going crazy i think there's more to worry about in life than a missing coffee machine or an oven but it's bloody frustrating and it, it means we've got to keep going back to clients' houses, fitting ovens, fitting dishwashers, decal doors, you know, when we're trying to concentrate on other projects as well. So it's quite demanding on our time and we're just getting bored and fed up with it, I guess, aren't we? Darren said, right, that's one thing that manufacturers don't recognise. You know, you finish a job, but you can't finish it off, so you've got to send probably two men because it might be a heavy oven to, 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 to put the oven in and, and go back take the old one out, put the new one in. And that job might not be, it's not next door. It might be 20 miles away. Yeah. And they're all for free. I mean, what that cost, if I was to add it up, is, is thousands. Uh, and certain manufacturers have said, oh, here's a goodwill gesture bonus and stuff. But, but the other thing, you're, you're missing out on the, what we used to call a cash sale business. We, we've, and I'm sure Darren is as well, we're, uh, um, we've got two nice showrooms. We've got lots of appliances on display. People come into us and say, can I just buy a replacement oven for a kitchen that you did for me 10 years ago? That business has disappeared. We're, um, there's another manufacturer that makes downdraft hops, which I won't necessarily name, but we used to do a phenomenal amount of business just of people because if you had to display it working for it to, to work, we'd have people ring up, oh, I bought a Ren kitchen or I bought something else. I just want this particular hob. Can I buy it, please? But because you haven't been able to get them easy, we've lost that business because we didn't have, we couldn't get them in two weeks. At one, I know they've got better the lead times, but at one point they were on nearly six month lead times. So that a lot of our appliance business has been affected by lead times. I mean, colossally. Absolutely. Phil, you actually touched on another sort of area earlier where as soon as a delay happens, these delays then knock, have a knock-on effect to other areas of the business, don't they? You can't take pictures of finished projects, which you would normally then use to advertise your business and get more business. It's a kind of vicious circle almost, isn't it, with, with these delays? It is. You can't it is. tie up projects. 
I'll tell you a funny story. We were in the, in the KBB magazine because we won the Installation Company of the Year award. And Chris came down to take some pictures of us. And there's myself and my colleague Warwick standing in a display, in front of a display. And he told us to stand there because there was an oven missing. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> if you actually look at that article and look closely, you'll see a gap of an oven. And that's why he stood us there, so that we, we, weren't, we were finding an appliance. And there's, there's gaps all over the place. I went to a lovely kitchen of ours last week and they're absolutely over the moon and we knocked the wall down we put patio doors in we did a, a fabulous job in there but then they're missing two appliances and i can't talk to marketing and say get someone around to take some photos because it's just not doable exactly so you can't then use that project it's got an effect on every other area of the business yeah i mean it will they're coming i mean we're being told that you know these appliances are coming there was a point recently where they said look now don't start specking these models just spec these ones and so we're being told they are coming but and that's the other thing is there's no explanation of when it's like right this will be here in six weeks time seven weeks it's just to be advised it's that's the way you can't plan either yeah I mean it's just adding to the complexities isn't it of an already sort of pretty complex project obviously you guys experienced retailers you've both got showrooms you understand the business you've been in it for years what about any tips and advice for effectively managing projects in the face of all these issues particularly for sort of new retailers perhaps that haven't had as much experience I think you know if you're fortunate enough to be a smaller you know independent whether you've got one two three four showrooms we're a very resilient bunch we're, we're clever at getting around things. You know, we're generally used to dealing with multi-brands anyway. You know, gone are the days when you dedicate your entire showroom to just one brand. I just think we're able to chop and change maybe a bit quicker than some of the nationals and the bigger companies. We've just got to be a bit clever, haven't we? And look at other products and see if we can swap things over. You know, we, we, we can follow reports and see what's readily available, what's coming in the next six to eight weeks. You know, if we're looking at projects a long way off, we might take a risk on that and we might go for the product um, that we know is going to take a while because there's no urgency with that one. So I think, you know, if I was giving any advice to... Um, a newbie set up and a startup, I'd be definitely wanting to know what the lead times are on everything, what sort of support you're going to get. Just choose very wisely, speak to other people, speak to other people. You know, if you're looking at a particular brand, ring up one of their uh, retailers, we can all find that on the net and say, how are you getting on with X or Y? You know, what the delivery's like, what's the support like, what's the service like? We've got a very large um, supplier, you know, no names, uh, hiding no names, you know, the BSH group, they're supplying retailers with Bosch, Siemens and Neff, probably the largest supplier to independents. So where are all those guys running to? Everyone's running off in different directions, um, going to some of the smaller appliance manufacturers, which I think is great, you know, give them a go, see if they can step up. But, you know, I'm not one for biting my nose to spite my face. I don't want to slag off BSH. I know that they've got issues and problems, you know, they're dealing with them. They're trying their best, I guess, although maybe it could have been managed a little better. But, you know, they'll be back, won't they? So, And it's still a very uh, popular product. So as much as, um, you know, some retailers out there might be going, oh, dear, I wouldn't touch them with a barge pole. Well, think forward wind a year's time, you know, and they'll probably be back on top again. So we do have to be a bit careful. Plus, we're displaying many of their models. So unless you've given them all away to your clients. But, um, 
so yeah, I've got a few holes in my showroom, but but yeah, that would be the advice I, I, I would certainly be giving. And and Phil, do you have any tips and advice for other retailers that are going through the same problems, but perhaps aren't as experienced or? Yeah, I mean, the only one that, that, that most of it, Darren's just covered, but I'd also try and keep it simple as well. So, I mean, speak to your staff and try and spec the same appliances so that if you need to rob Peter to pay Paul, you have got the sign. Now, there's no, every, all customers are different and Darren's at a slightly higher level than we are and they might want steam or sous vide or this, that and the other. I mean, when we go through it, you know, I've got a set standard spec for appliances, you know, the, the hide and slide oven or, or and the, the matching combi, they're the same sort of um, formula to most. And you say, this is what I've chosen for you. That's very nice. Thank you very much. You know, and you tick that box. And if you're selling that model and you're telling your staff to, to sort of spec that same model, at least you haven't got, you know, 20 different models of appliances that, you know, if one's out of stock that you can't replace it with another so that's that's seems to work for us i mean that's not going to work for everybody but it does um the majority of people stick to the same in my opinion and i guess something we should have drilled down at the beginning actually but it's just occurred to me i mean how many projects are you guys dealing with at any one time um darren you first well um the, the older I've got and the, the longer we've stayed in business, we, we're doing probably less now because, you know, um, once upon a, a time I wanted to set the world alight and become, you know, the biggest kitchen retailer in the world. And then you suddenly realise that actually maybe that's not such a great thing. So over the years, you know, we've gone to less showrooms. So we're now kind of quite slick. We, we operate from one showroom now um, based in Winchester, as I mentioned earlier. So our, our project turnover is not, not as many as we used to. So we're probably rattling around 45 to 50 kitchens a year. So we're doing about maybe four or five a month, but they are generally quite large projects. So it, it never seems to just be the kitchen for us. It will be, you know, two or three other rooms as well. So quite large projects. However, the, the pain's still there, isn't it? I guess the pain's going to be there more for people that are doing more, you know, with multiple showrooms like, like Phil. Um, but it doesn't matter what market you're in. You know, yes, we are in the premium market. Yes, our clients may be slightly more demanding. Um, but, you know, we feel sorry for anyone that's missing any appliance in their kitchen. You know, a kitchen is a dream. It's, it's an exciting purchase. It's something people um, really love doing, the whole journey of it coming uh, from, from its infancy to being all installed. And, you know, and it does leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth when you're unable to finish. And, you know, when you've got a reputable business to upheld and, you know, you've got Google reviews and everything else on there that you're striving to get your five stars for, it is quite difficult to get a five-star review from a client that is over the moon with your kitchen but still is missing or waiting on something or another. But, but to answer your initial question, Becky, I'd like to think that we're probably going to be doing 50 kitchens this year, one a week. Yeah, you sort of suggested that that's not actually a lot, but that sounds like plenty to me if you're struggling to sort of tie up each one because there are delays on certain things so there's four or five kitchens a month that you have to keep going back to to check on the status of etc so again it's adding to the complexities of something that's already got lots of elements to it I mean Phil what, what about you guys how many kitchens are you dealing with yeah we're doing quite a few more than Darren we're, we're obviously we've got the two showrooms we've got the contract side but on the retail side we normally I would say we're sort of hitting about 150 kitchens a year. And then on the contract side, 
similar amount. So that they're easy, they're straightforward, but don't forget we do bathrooms as well. And we probably do 150 to 200 bathrooms a year as well. So that's another organization within itself. The master fit installation side is a business within itself, which is a lot of organization. We've got plumbers, tires, carpenters, electricians, and everything else, and trying to administer that with all the problems that the bathroom side, we haven't even touched on that, and I won't go into it now, but they're, they're, that, they're, that's not easy. I mean, they let you down at the last minute, distributors. They just go to pick it at the last minute and tell you it's not in stock. Sorry, can you tell Mrs. Niggins her bath isn't coming? Talking about Masterfit and the, the installation side, how do you manage all of the different trades that are involved and how do you have to manage their expectations about timeframes and timescales? It's a well, it's a well-oiled machine. We've been doing, you know, Masterfit's been going for 25 years of the same formula. So we have plumbers that plumb, carpenters that do carpentry or kitchen fitters, some that can do the odd bit of plumbing. We have like three electricians, we have three tilers, we have plasterers, we have a building team. And Warwick, who heads up Masterfit, he um, schedules it. It's as simple as that. You know, he, he went once he surveyed it, he puts a schedule together where the people should be at the right time. Now, obviously, and Darren touched on it when a, a, a builder lets you down if we're just going in to do what we call a dry fit it's normally only a kitchen fitter that you're having to be flexible with but on that side with the contract side we've got uh, four contract installers that do all our new build stuff they can be a little bit flexible because we might have build programs but if they go missing for a few days because we're ahead of schedule it doesn't really matter or they might even be behind so those sort of jobs are okay. The ones that go really badly wrong is when if we had a full project, so we were taking down a wall, we were putting a steel in, we were doing the floor, we were putting the kitchen in, we were painting it, decorating it, and just the week before you go in, the customer rings up and says, I've got COVID, can't come for 10 days, which we had at the beginning of the year. That was the bad one. You were trying to, you know, the schedule was to shop because... We were 10 days adrift and we were supposed to be somewhere else. We even had instances where we had ripped out bathrooms and kitchens and the customer said, sorry, you can't come in because my husband's got COVID and we left them without any facilities. You know, that, that, that was the rule at the time. So that was nothing to do with the supply issue. That was just the COVID problem. So it's always a challenge, but we get through it. We're... You know, we're a family business, we've, we've got a good reputation, we've got good guys, majority of them are employed, so we can dictate where they go, we can rob people to pay Paul, and we can move people around. And you know, most of our customers are very, very satisfied, so they do it very well. And I can't take credit for that because I've got a good team of project managers and, and installation managers that, that run that for me. I think that that is key, is the guys that are working on behalf of you, your installers, your fitters, your sparkies, your hand painters. We always say we're, we're kind of like the fountain of the work. It all starts here and, and, you know, they get paid well. There's never a poor fitter out there, is there? They appreciate the work. They, <laughs> they appreciate the work they're getting through us. And it's nice work, you know, it's, it's good work that they're getting. So, you know, they are pretty good going out of their way to, to work with us and keep going back and, and changing the schedule all the time to try and accommodate everybody. So it's hard work. But, yeah, the last thing you want are some moaning fitters. Um, you get it occasionally, but, you know, I think 
we're very fortunate that, that everyone's on side and, and they're keen to help. And, you know, I've had all of that where we're just about to start and the client's got COVID and then it's been delayed for a week, but we're meant to be on another job. And, you know, and I'm still thankful to my core skills. I, I started off as a cabinet maker. I used to build all the kitchens and um, used to fit them. Um, and although, you know, fitting can be a can of worms and, and I end up doing it again and thinking, oh, my God. But, you know, I do enjoy, enjoy it. It's nice to get out on the tools again. I've got a van that's all tooled up, so uh, and that is purely ready for me to not only just do remedials and nip them in the bud, but you know if we are let down by a fitter that's gone ill or something's not working out, then I will jump in and fit the kitchen. Wow, really hands on then. What would be your advice though to retailers that can't do that? Learn themselves? to fit a kitchen. That's always a good one because it, it, if <laughs> all else silly. fails, you can still earn some good money kitchen fitting. You haven't got to go through all the grief of having a showroom advertising and and, and all the grief that we all go through. Uh, funny enough, getting back on the tools and, and seeing the furniture and you know it really does throw valuable bits and pieces up that you can address later on. You know, for instance, we're fitting one of these downdraft hobs and it was fighting with the cabinet. So you know, there's me chopping it all apart. But the next time that cabinet gets made, it's going to be done, you know, without us having to fiddle around with it so much. So it is good to get get down on the tools. But, you know, I, I understand that some people aren't able to, to do that or might not have that key set yet. But I would say, you know, the more you learn, the more you earn. Get that set of skills if you can. Um, but most of all, you know, it's not all about me. It's about the team. So you just need a really good team around you that will work the Sunday if need be or will do that late night for you. Everyone says you need a good installer because they're generally the last people to leave the kitchen. You know, you want to go back and, and see the client and, and sign it all off and everything, but you can't get back to all of them, especially the amount that Phil's doing. So quite often, you know, the fitter is the last guy in the house. He's got to leave that job with a lot of love. Yeah, that'd be my advice. Good team. Absolutely. I mean, what we're hearing at the moment as well from a lot of retailers is, you know, there just isn't enough fitters. They're struggling to get projects planned in because of the lack of fitters now I suspect that's not anything you guys at Masterfit have your own team um, and Darren it does it doesn't sound like you struggle to find fitters however what kind of impact does that have on this kind of project planning of each well huge impact you know if you if if you're doing the whole service you know supply only brilliant but if you're doing the whole service and generally you know, if you're at the premium end of the kitchen market, you know, supply only doesn't exist for us. People want us installing our furniture, um, quite rightly. I do hear about this and I guess it, you know, it depends where you are uh, nationally because obviously there's going to be problems depending on what, you know, county or what, where you're in. But, um, you know, we are lucky. I still get calls from fitters, you know, oh, we'd love to come and fit your kitchens and stuff like that. So they go in the book just in case. But we're fortunate enough that we've got a father and son team. So a good friend of mine's the fitter. He's brought his son on board. He's now 19. He's like a golden child. And, you know, our clients say they all love him. Dougie, Dougie Munt, if you're out there, big thumbs up. You're doing, you're doing great. It's brilliant that there are younger people coming through. Um, but I do hear about shortages of installers and, you know, decent trades. And, and it does worry me. But what, what can we do? I guess it is a great, you know, there's some good money to be made in it. So it, and there's plenty of work out there. So I would encourage any younger um, people that are good with their hands, enjoy a bit of carpentry, general building, anything like that, you know, to get on board because fitters are getting like three, four, five thousand pounds to fit a kitchen. And, you know, you can knock them out in a couple of weeks. So I would say go for it. Get yourself some festals and get on with it. 
that sounds like something I might actually have to get involved in. <laughs> I could do with earning that kind of money. No, it's great. Well, um, I don't know. Would you agree, Phil? I mean, I don't know what you're paying for fits, but... Well, we employ most of our installers, so we're there on PAYE with the services for them, the tools and everything else. I mean, I go touching back on, on what I, that's how I started out life as a kitchen fitter. So um, Masterfit originally was what I worked for Paula Rosa since in about 1985 for about 12 years and then set up Masterfit and that's how I do what I do today. And I think that does help and you must do the same because you know how it should be done, that's the type of people that you employ. So I think some of the you know, the bigger companies, you know, the multinationals, I mean, how they can monitor the, um, the quality of the work across the board must be impossible. So although we fit quite a few kitchens, it's still done through one organisation, one office, and we know everybody personally and we monitor what they do. So I think it's, it's having good people and good guys, but... It is a dying breed. I mean, we're we're looking for another installer now because it seems just growing and growing, and and not as easy. You're starting to talk to people that aren't, you know, the youngsters. They all want to go into IT or and earn big bucks straight away. They don't want to go through the apprenticeship side and earning sort of less money to be built up into something. They don't realise that you know it's going to take a few years to be to earning the sort of money that Darren was talking about. They want it now. I want to be a kitchen fitter, I'm going to buy my festivals, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to borrow it all on finance, and um, I want you to pay me this amount of money. I'm not really that qualified, but and, and you do. We, we have all sorts of youngsters rock up, and they're just not qualified. They just, oh, I, I, help my, I used to help my dad on a Saturday, and I'm a kitchen fitter. You know, it's not. It's not. You take some of these German kitchens, and certainly the stuff that Darren's selling can't be a novice. And, and it is a big risk, isn't it? If, you, if you've got a newbie on board, how do you ever try them out? You know, do you want to risk a job where you're putting somebody into your client's home and house and hoping that they're going to do a good job? So it's it's very difficult way of measuring it. And, you know, and I've done all this, gone round and seen other kitchens that they've installed. You, you know, you don't know whether they did, how much help they had. It's funny, I, we were talking about it the other day because there are a lot of independent studios, uh, owners of studios out there that have all come from an installation background. You know, they were fit in the kitchens and they're like, oh, I've had enough of breathing in all this MDF. Let's get our own showroom. You know, there's no barrier to get into kitchens, quite rightly, thankfully for, for, for me, because, you know, I was an uneducated kid at, at 18 years old and decided to naively set up my business. And here I am. But, you know, for many KBB owners, they did come from from the installation background. And I just wonder how many of them will go back to it. And they say, you know, we, we, we've got we've done the show and been there, got got, you know, worn the T-shirt, done it, sell it off and, and just fit a kitchen a month just for a bit of money. Uh, I, I wonder how how many people will go back to it. I, I don't want to go back to that because I've got a bad back. And that's one thing kitchen fitting does. Knack is your bloody back. So um, so it's not for me, although I'm happy to do one every now and then. But yeah, you never know. Guys, look, thank you so much for your time. You know, it's been a hugely interesting chat and about a core element of KBB retailing. The project planning is the core part of your job, really. You know, it's been great to get such an insight. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Nice to talk and share share the problems, but equally share some solutions, hopefully. 
That was Darren Taylor of Searle and Taylor and Phil Beechner of Alexander Kitchens. And it just shows how experience is everything in this industry, isn't it? When everything gets turned upside down, that confidence that there is a way to sort it out and a way to manage it, it comes from all those years of service. Excellent stuff. And once again, a big thank you to Masterclass for being our kitchen sponsor for this season. To find out more about how you can become part of their family, have a look in the episode description to find that link. See you next time.